to the Redeemed Evangelical Mission, Trem, Atlanta. This is a place where we gather together in quality praise and worship of the true and living God. Equipped with the world of God for growth and fellowship with one another. God bless you as you listen to this message. find yourself on duty. Um, I don't like the thought of being put in the class of elders. About, is it two or three weeks ago? It was my 60th birthday. Um, I told them in church that I suspend my membership of the elders club. I want to stay with the young people's club. Praise God. And my folks wanted me to find some time to rest, but you can see how I'm resting. Reverend Felix, we celebrate you and your darling wife. I couldn't imagine you were the one sitting behind me. I want to welcome everyone to the house of God this morning. And for a few minutes that I have, I want to speak to us about something that is not new, but is still important for us to always put at the back of our mind. And that's the power that is behind the words we speak. The power of the spoken word. If you have a Bible, open with me to the book of Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 25 to 29. And I want you to particularly take note of some of the things I will be highlighting. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, 25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years 
had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she heard and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straight away, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Do you realize that the sum total of how our life turns out is affected majorly by the things you hear, the truths you believe, the words you speak, the steps or actions you take, and the decisions you will make because of those experiences or those challenges that life will bring to you. Here was a woman who had spent 12 years going through one of the most gruesome experiences anyone can have. Because if you ask a lady, you will know that the period of the month that they go through their menstrual cycle, that experience is not something they want to spend three weeks experiencing. Now, not to talk of three months, not to talk of three years, and not to imagine it for 12 years. Consistent. And the scripture said to us, she had been at this for 12 years. And that had affected everything about her. Because one of the things you will understand is there are issues that stay with you for a while. And after a while, they begin to define you. That's why the scripture says a woman with the issue of blood. I was talking with Jimmy on our way here today that in life, sometimes people describe you by your challenge. And so you hear that short brother, that one that limps by the feet, that one that did this the other way. Because when people, when God even has forgotten about some of the things you have passed through in life because of his forgiving grace, men never give up on your issues. And the truth is that every one of us has an issue. It's not only the woman with the issue of blood. She had us for 12 years, but the reality is that issues are always part and parcel of our experience. And the scripture said that she had spent all that she heard. She was broke. She was friendless. She was hopeless. And in actual fact, you know, in time, sometimes in life, people look at you and give a smile. But as soon as they turn away from you, they're going to pass a comment about you. They're going to tell people even what they don't know about you and describe it as if they were actually the one going through it. And they give a picture that might not even depict exactly what you are passing through. And my Bible says this woman, a certain woman, when you have not made any significant mark in life, you are a certain person. You are limited by the fact that people see you from the issues of your life rather than the opportunities of your future. And not knowing what God can do with you because you are down today, 
but there is a possibility that God is at work in your life to take you beyond the present level into the dream and the plan that he has for you. Can I hear an amen, somebody? And somebody needs to understand that your present situation is not the final point of your situation because God is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And the Bible says that weeping endures for a night, but joy always comes in the morning. So I know that in this room tonight, this morning, there's somebody right now located in an issue of life that your story will going to change in a matter of time. It's not even dependent on the thinking of people, the mindset of people, but it's part of the plan of God for you. Because every day, in every way, you will always get better. Can I hear an amen, somebody? But I love somebody, something about this woman. The Bible says, when she heard about Jesus, I said to you when we started, that there are a number of things you must take care of. You must take care of the things that comes into your thought realm. What you hear, what you allow in the systems of your life. Because every day, you will understand that there are gateways that life has made available. Your ear is a gateway. Your eyes are gateways. Your mind is a gateway. And how you handle all of that is important because when you open your mouth, what comes out of your mouth is dependent on what you have been able to believe based on the experiences that you have been able to hear. And you know what? The things you see physically that are right before you, telling you the stories of life, if they don't align with the word of God, it means that they have to be put aside because heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will not pass away. And so that problem is subject to change. But the word of God is the one that has capacity to make that change. Can I hear an amen, somebody? God created everything in life through the power of his word. The scripture actually made us to understand. He said nothing was made that was ever made except by the word of God. And let me also say this to you. Not just the word of God, but the word of somebody who believes in what they are saying. Because sometimes... It may not be God speaking. It may be a man speaking using his creatorial grace and the ability that God has put in him. Because the first thing God said, he said, let's make man in our own image and after our own likeness. And so whether you like it or not, is it Elon Musk that desired, I mean, that, I mean, had the concept about the Telsaka. Interestingly, that's the thought of somebody spoken into words that have brought results. Can I hear an amen? Somebody. Somebody needs to know that right now the world is filled with people's ideas spoken in their thoughts and in their words that have become a reality. So there are cars walking on the road. They are the ideas of, have you heard that statement? Brainchild. When they say it's a brainchild, it means that somebody thought of it and then brought it forth by his ideas and his words and right now we're experiencing it by reality uh, i don't know if he's back but richard branson has gone to space and he's gone there because of an idea that came to his mind that been speaking about and talk, all the while when he was talking about it maybe most of us never imagined that but you know one thing about richard branson that guy has done so many unbelievable things in life he takes the kind of risks that nobody will ever take in the United Kingdom today, the only airline that can contend very well with the British Airway is, of course, Virgin Airlines. He said to the other day when Virgin, I mean, British Airways was celebrating 70 years and they were so excited about it. And he said, why follow a 70-year-old person when you can go with a Virgin? 
But guess what he's doing? He is painting pictures and bringing them to reality. I tell folks in church that the day God created man and created the Garden of Eden and gave Adam and Eve the exclusive right for creation and gave them what you will call the power of attorney because he said, whatever they call it, that's the name thereof. And so you need to understand that right now in this room, we have plenty of co-creators with God. And the one way to create is by the things that you say. If you want a beautiful tomorrow, it's about time to create it. If you want a terrible tomorrow, it's about time to create it. That's why the woman with the issue of blood stopped being a woman with the issue of blood the day he met Jesus. Because my Bible said, when she heard of Jesus, what did she hear of Jesus? She heard of his willing healing power. She heard of the men that he has raised from the dead. She heard of how he fed 10,000. I mean 5,000. She heard of the different things that the man, and she believed what she heard. And the Bible says she opened her own mouth and said, if I must touch the hem of his garment, if I must press into that opportunity. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. She prepared it in her mind that it was possible for 12 years of failure, 12 years of defeat, 12 years of poverty, 12 years of lack, 12 years of not being noticed and being left by family, by folks and everyone else. And you know, the scripture is always very, very precise. She's, the Bible spoke about her, not her children, not her husband, because everybody must have somewhere along the line left her to her issues. But the only person who will not live with your issues is the one who created you in the beginning. Is the word of God, Jesus himself. And in one day, 12 years of everything that has messed her story up was changed overnight. And I perceive that this day, God will bring a change in somebody's situation that may have been there for 12 years, for 12 months, that you may have gone through in the last 2-3 years that the world itself has been mesmerized by the power of one virus putting everybody on hold and keeping you in a point where you don't even know what to do. But I'm, I'm very much assured that this God watching us in the last two years can put a stop on the hold of the enemy at the time that he has already designed and purposed. Can I hear an amen somebody? Now, I want us to, to come to terms with another important truth. Words, words don't die. Words can be wished away. Words are living. Words are life-giving. Words are creative. Words have power. Words are eternal. And words take a personality. You know, sometimes when you don't understand it, you take it for granted. Jesus went to Jericho and he had a wonderful crusade. And he was walking out of the city. And the Bible says a group of people were following Jesus. Just like they were following him when the woman with the issue of blood had her issue. And you know, the scripture actually made us to understand that while Jesus was going with the, the business of Jesus was to go to Jairus' house and heal a child. But on the way to the healing of the child, the Bible says the woman of, with the issue of blood connected with the great healer. And interestingly, by law, she was not permitted to be in that gathering because of, you know, by culture, the issue of blood 
kept her away from everywhere she could have gotten help. She can't get into the synagogue. She can't see a man of God. Because when, by tradition in those days, when a woman is going through that experience, she's not allowed in the holy place. Can you imagine? You have trouble, and yet you can't run away from trouble to the place of help. And so the Bible says when she touched Jesus, it was without the knowledge of everybody around. And the only reason that Jesus knew about it is because somebody made a demand on the virtue that was upon Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, in this house, you came here today to make a demand on the virtue that is available in the house of God. And I pray that you will go home with a touch of heaven in the name of Jesus. The Bible says when she touched Jesus, nobody knew it except for Jesus. And interestingly, Jesus asked the question that, you know, offended the folks like Peter. He said, who touched me? And you know, you know, being Jesus, it was difficult to disrespect him. But I can imagine, I wasn't there, but I think that Peter must have been saying, he's come again. We don't understand this man. You are asking who touched you. Look at the crowd. There were those looking at Jesus and they were savoring his Roman sandal, which was uncommon. Some were looking at his silky dress and saying, oh man of God, you are so blessed. I don't know what others were looking at, but maybe it was the beauty of his hair or these good looks and maybe it was the aroma of his present but there were people who had issues that day they concentrated on the fact that Jesus was, was passing by but they were not willing to make a touch or a demand on the anointing but there was a woman in that place she knew that she had had all the things that they were talking about Jesus she's had good clothes good money good life good houses that's not the most important thing for her what was important right now is that the issues in her life needed to stop and so she opened her mouth and said, if I touch him, if I can get a, a, go, I mean, a hold of the anointing, if there is an opportunity to draw from what he carries, my destiny can be changed. And my Bible says that this woman made a demand on the anointing at the risk of Jairus' daughter's death. Because by the time Jesus was done with her, bad news came from the hometown that Jairus' daughter was dead. And now it was a battle of words because the people that came said, don't trouble the master anymore. The child you wanted healed, she has moved from bad to worse or like we say in that part of the world from fry pan to fire. And so they said to her, she's dead. You don't have to bother the master anymore. Your story has changed. You were hoping that you will be, your child will be healed. But now you've got a dead baby to bury. And the Bible says Jesus said something to Jairus. He said, I know you had what they said, but it's up to you what you do with what, they, what you had. He said, but you know what? When I left home, I was going to heal your child. I am still ready to get that child healed. He said, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Ladies and gentlemen, be not afraid. Because Corona is here, Delta or whatever. I, somebody, somebody called me yesterday and said that, they, you know, that somebody from Nigeria came with another virus that is different from Corona. And they grabbed the guy in the airport and now they are doing a tracing. I don't know what you have had. Listen, I told them in church, the worst thing that has happened to the world is not coronavirus. Because there are several things before and after coronavirus that is challenging to human living and human experience. But the truth is that we will live through this. 
and we will come out of it and we will still have a story and a testimony. Can I hear an amen somebody? We may have been limited. We may be, have been hindered. We may have been stopped for a while. But good news is still coming. Right where you are on this side of eternity, you will still enjoy the goodness of God. You will still jump into the pools. You will still travel the world. You will still have some good experiences. Because all of these things, they have a time frame and they have a season. And it will come to pass. And yet God's goodness will still be with you in the name of Jesus. They told Jairus. They told him the child is dead. But Jesus said to him, be not afraid. Only believe. What do you believe? Believe what you have heard. Because every day of your life, you make choices. Either to believe the challenges you are facing or to believe that it is written. And I have a feeling that Jarius didn't know what to do with himself. But he decided not to open his mouth and say anything. Because there are times in your life when you don't know what to do, it's better for you to keep quiet. If your lips are locked up and you don't say things that will stop you from fulfilling your dreams, God will come through for you in the midst of that situation. And Jesus got to that house. My Bible says you can watch what's going on in the drama. The people in the house were crying. The people in the house were saying all sorts of things. But Jesus said, the child is not dead, but sleeping. And you want me to tell you? Jesus knew that that child was dead. Jesus realized that the child was dead. But Jesus decided to speak contrary to what was happening. Because why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen, they are temporal, subject to change. The things which are not seen, they are eternal. There is something you desire out of life right now. It's not yet seen, but it shall be seen. It shall become manifest. Because it has to happen first in the spiritual realm because it manifests in the physical. Somebody understand what I'm saying? Uh, that's your big dream. That's your big breakthrough. That's your big desire. We can't see it now. It's in the bosom of your spirit. But it's going to come to manifestation in a short time. My Bible says, Jesus said, the child is not dead. Not that the child is not dead. But he is dealing with a God who collect those things that be not as though they were. It's crazy when you are saying something that obviously does not look like what is happening. But that's how God operates. That's why God, the Bible says in verse 2, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was moving over the waters. And God said... You see, what God said is a super imposition upon your present circumstance. And child of God, you got to learn something. If nothing, in this service this morning, I can't argue with your challenges. I can't argue with your pain. I can't argue with your issues. I know you are going through it. I know you have some financial challenges. I know there are areas where things have not worked. But the truth is that I came to let you know that there is power in what you say. Because what you say could be an acceptance of your circumstance. Or it could be a decree to make a change in the situation in which you are. And what, the, what Jesus did was to make a decree to say that dead child is not dead. 
but that dead child is sleeping. So if God says something that is dead is sleeping, even if the thing is dead, it will now start sleeping. Is somebody understand what I'm saying? And that means if Reverend Fred says that thing that is dead is not, is not dead, but is now sleeping because he has the nature and the life of God, because he's an, he's an image of God, the word of God will supersede that particular situation. So I came to let you know before you leave today, you must look at those issues in your life and you must begin to say what God says about them. Because whatever God says about, in fact, the Bible says they love Jesus to scorn. They must have said to him, he's crazy. He's come to town again. We know you've done some wonderful things, but this time around you missed it. But the Bible says, when Jesus looked at the child, he said, Tali Takumi. It's not my village language, but I perceive what we were saying. Child, I say to thee, arise. This morning, there is a Talita Kumi to your negative situation. A word that changes what is present to bring what God has already ordained. That very day as Jesus spoke, whatever had killed that child gave her up. Death gave up life. Is somebody understand what I'm saying? Failure gave up for the, for the ability to win. Lack will give up for supply. Defeat will give up for victory. Sickness gives up for health. Everything in creation that has worked negatively also has the capacity to turn around. Let me tell you something. Words are eternal. The Bible says, my word that has gone forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. What I learned from that scripture is that everything that God says always comes back. But it does not come back the way it went. It comes back to bring the result of what God has desired. And you know, in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, God said to the serpent, the seed of the woman will bruise your head. When God said it, there was no proof that it will happen. And it took 4,000 years for what God said in Genesis chapter 3 to manifest in the book of Matthew chapter 4. I think verse 17, the Bible says that Jesus was coming out of Jordan. And when he was coming out of Jordan, God said, this is the right opportunity for me to make manifest what I said in Genesis. So he said, devil, come over here. This is my be. He wasn't talking to the people that were there. The address was for hell and his cohorts to know that this is now the seed of the woman. You know, the devil thought the seed of the woman was Adam and, I mean, was a Cain and Abel. So the scripture says that Cain killed Abel. And you know, I perceive that the devil must have said to God, oh, now I've killed Abel. And now, uh, what did they call it? Cain is a vagabond. So where will the seed of the woman come out? God, I got to strike one, like we used to say. He said, it's up to you right now. And he felt happy about it. Then one day, God began to speak to Abraham. And a man that came from all of Chaldeans, the Bible says, God said to him, I will make you great. I'll make you, I mean, you're a father of many nations. All the nations of the earth shall call you blessed. And the devil must have said to him, oh, he has left Adam and Eve. Now he's come over to Abraham. And for how many years? 25 years. Abraham couldn't have a child. Boringly enough, he was bearing a name that did not agree with his circumstance. Father of many nations. What an embarrassing name to call somebody. You are going on the way. They're calling you father of many nations and you have nothing to show for it. But you know, the word of God doesn't die. The word of God will come to pass at the time that he has ordained. As it has come out of God's mouth, it has to manifest. So, 
a child had to be created. Sarah, Sarah had to have a womb. Had to have. Sarah needed to have eggs. Abraham had to bring forth a sperm. Is somebody understand? Even if it didn't exist, there has to be a recreation because the word of God cannot die and it cannot fall down to the ground. So when it was time and it was ready for God's program to manifest, suddenly. An old woman began to bear a baby. It doesn't matter whether it's happened before, but it will happen this time around. Is somebody understanding what I'm saying? That's what I mean. That's why you must know, child of God. All of us in this room, we need to understand that there are circumstances we are all passing, it, passing through corporately that makes us sometimes to think that that's how it's going to continue. But the truth is that God is at work making a change. There's a turnaround coming. So Jesus went into that room and raised up that child. And ladies and gentlemen, from that moment, it became obvious that even dead things can come alive. Is somebody, the Bible says in the book of John chapter 6 verse 63, it said the spirit quickness, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are life. They are spirit and they are life. Words have a way of controlling our life. They have a way of defining our destiny. In the past, in the past, you know, you might not take some things responsible seriously, but you better take them. Because words have a way of affecting your life. The belief system and the idea. How many of you, you know, growing in, in a nation, any country in Africa, there are many things they've told us. They tell you, don't relate with people from that village. Because that's the situation with them. They tell you, and there are beliefs, they tell us, don't draw a line with a stick. Somebody will die. Don't do this. This will happen. Is there somebody who can understand what I'm talking about? There are those myths, those stories they've told us. And guess what? We believe them, not because we saw it happen to somebody, but because they told us. That's why you must know that every day of your life, somebody good must be speaking to you. And the only good person to speak to you is the word of God. The word of God can tell you how to deal with your finances. It can tell you what to do concerning your relationship. It can tell you what to do about everything that you are passing through, both now or even in the future. Is somebody understanding what I'm saying? So take it seriously because the word of God should be what should guide your belief system. Your, the word of God is what should determine what you believe and how to relate to life. Because if you can take God's word and take it as the final authority, it will help you. I'm not a Jew, but I understand that in the Jewish culture, they respect the power of words from parents. So when a father lays his hands upon a child and prays, it is believed that what the father said will come to manifestation. That was why even in his drunken state, Noah could curse a child and the result was still there. And yet, that's why Esau fought so much for one word of blessing from his father when Jacob had taken the rest. Knowing the power of words and knowing the capacity of the father's prayer. And that's why we, the new Jews, the generation that may have been brought out of darkness into his marvelous life. I don't care how that child is doing right now. But in those days of their life, while raising them up, you have a responsibility to lay your hands upon them and make a declaration and proclaim the word of God over their life. They may run forth and back, but they are going to stand and follow the words that you have spoken. That word will catch up with them. That prophecy will catch up with them. 
that declaration will catch up with them. The words of your mouth, they are life, they are spirit, they are powerful. You remember, you remember that, you know, all through the scriptures, when you see that happening, you see how strongly children take the words of their parents because they know how powerful words can be. And words are strong. I wasn't born then, but Adolf Hitler ruled the world and did all that he did by the power of words. Speaking to people whom he put in his army. Telling them that the Jew is your enemy and they killed six million. Osama bin Laden brought down the, the Twin Towers by words, by telling some people that this is what we need to do. Getting them to get into a plane. Learning how to fly it but never teaching them how to come down. Can you imagine? Somebody in uh, one of the one of the, those terrorist groups in in Pakistan put some guys to go to an hotel in 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 India, and and they, they blew up the place. They did everything, and when they were about to be caught, the same guy put on his phone and began to say to them, "It's now time for you to die for the cause of Allah." And as he was speaking to them, he said, "Now you guys kill yourself." Words. And those guys, because they will not be taken alive, they kill themselves. Words are powerful. And that's why you must understand, child of God, your words, they carry power. You must speak right. I sell them in church. Three things. Never say anything about yourself. That is, ne Never say anything bad about yourself. Never say anything about, bad about your circumstance. And never say anything bad about people. Because those words have an effect. And you must understand that life and death are in the power of the tongue. They that love it must eat the fruit thereof. Are you going through a situation that is not comfortable right now? Are you passing through an experience that you are not happy with? But keep saying good things about yourself. Keep talking good about your situation. Keep trusting and hoping. You know, the Bible says that 12 men were sent to spy the land that flows with milk and honey. And when they came back, 10 of them began to talk. Sir, they didn't talk about the good of the land. They didn't talk about the opportunities that were ahead of them. They didn't talk about what God told them to go and look at. The only thing they concentrated on is that that land eats the people. They began to say, we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. They began to say to, to people around us, we can't make it. I studied, I looked, and please, if you have read the Bible and you found something different, please tell me. But Caleb and Joshua, they never said anything about those people that they went to look at. All they said is that, let us go up at once. We are well able. In other words, we've seen what you have seen. We have experienced what you have experienced. We are aware that we have an enemy that is stronger than us from the natural standpoint. But we also know that God said something to our fathers. That we are going into this land and the land will become a land that flows with milk and honey. And so as far as we are concerned, we are not bothered about the giants. We are bothered about the opportunities. We are bothered about the blessing that will come. We are bothered about the good of the land. And the Bible says, Caleb and Joshua, because they believed and spoke what God said, they were the two people who got into the promised land. I've come to understand something. That where words are involved, God doesn't mind destroying two million people and saving two. 
Because one thing is that God can't violate his word. And so, when those guys said they can't get into the land, go home and read it. Go and read that scripture and read the story. Almost unbelievable. You know what God said? God said to them, he said, as they have spoken in my ears, I will do to them. They made the choice. They made the decision. It came out of their mouth. It's not about me. It's about what they want for themselves. The truth is that there is nothing you can do and achieve in life beyond what you have spoken about yourself. God can't violate his word. God cannot go above his word to do anything. So if you call yourself blessed, you remain blessed. If you say you are poor, oh, look at you, you are going to be poor. It's, it's nothing about whether somebody likes you or does not like you. The truth is that God himself does not have the capacity to violate his word. And so if you stay by what God said, God is going to move things. I've seen God move things that are incredibly uh, difficult, that looks as if they are impossible, but God turned them around. That's why a little 17-year-old boy that is rusty coming from the village and the backside could look at the giant in the face that men were hiding for by the cave in the valley of Ella and say to himself, I'm capable of, of killing him. This boy was speaking not from his capacity. He was speaking from God's ability. He was speaking from the fact that God had already separated Jews from the uncircumcised. And as far as he was concerned, it was not about him. It was about somebody contending with the word of God and the God that he served. Did you realize that I mean, David did not come based on his capacity. He said, you come to me with spears and you come with swords. And that's cool because you have everything. You are 11 point something cubit height. You've got shield to, to guide you. You've got it all together. The only thing you have missed is that you didn't realize that God had spoken before you came to this place. And the word of God has to be I mean, established. He said, listen, I'll kill you. Every time I think about him, I keep wondering how a 17-year-old small boy, skinny, scallywag, just standing there, will look at a giant and have the ability to tell him, I'll kill you. Because, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not old colloquial Bible that I'm going to talk. It must have looked at him and said, I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> looked at him in the face. And the guy, interestingly, Goliath did not speak to, 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 to David. He doesn't even have the capacity to speak to David. He turned around to, to, to Saul and said, am I a dog? He was talking and saying, how did you bring this guy to me? But let me tell you something. You've won the battle before you started the battle. Because somebody has gone ahead of you. God's grace has gone ahead of you. This is your year of exceeding abundantly. Something has to break through on your behalf. God's grace has to be available for your circumstance. Help will come to you at the point of need. God will not abandon you in the midst of your... Listen, I didn't come to just make you feel good. I want you to know that you have what it takes because it's been made available to you. So when you step out of this place, speak good about yourself. 
Speak good about your circumstance. Speak good what God said about you. Because in a matter of time, they will have not also noticed something in the scripture. Each time God makes somebody a good promise and the guy needs to be happy and excited about it, the next thing that will happen is something that is almost terrible. Why? It's a very simple principle. The moment God makes you a promise, the enemy wants to make God a liar. So he's going to come with a challenge. Because Noah, you have been told to build an ark. But you've been in this business for 120 years and everybody's making fun of you. And like I said, I just asked myself, 120 years building one ark. What will have happened is that children born 20 years after he started will have asked their father, Dad, what's going on there? And somebody will have said, don't mind him. He's one stupid guy that is building an ark. And then 40 years down the line, the 20-year-old boy has now become a father too. And when his son asks him, you know, can you imagine what he will say? Oh, my dad told me, granddad told me that one stupid guy is building it. So the story went from 20 years to 40 years to 60 years to 80 years to 100 years. And it's a story that everybody knows until the day that water begins to drop in the ground. And those who thought they were smart became stupid. And the one that looked stupid became sensible because somebody believed God's word for 120 years. And everybody, 120 years is so long for you to believe a lie. But one day God's word can and catch up with a lie. Can I hear a name in somebody? Overnight, the story changed. Overnight, Noah became the only person that was alive with his family. I don't know how long God has made you a promise. I know there's no 120-year-old man in this room. I know that mama that is in her 80s is the only one that can even say anything that we all take seriously. But the interesting thing is that, listen to me, God came through after 120 years. God will come through for you. This thing that's been happening to you in two, three years, God will come through for you. This thing you've been through in your experience and you think there is no hope, God will come through for you. And I just came to prophesy over you this morning that God will come through for you. He will come through in your situation. He will not leave you abandoned. Grace will be available for you. I came to speak to you that God is at work to bring his plan to come to pass. Let every word that God has spoken concerning you, let them begin to manifest in the mighty name of Jesus. I say let them begin to manifest in the name of Jesus. As I close this morning, I want to say this to you. If there are a few things you need to do, number one, open your mouth. Open your mouth. There are scriptures. Fear not alone, I'm told there are 365 of them. Who you are in Christ, there are 144 places in the New Testament that talks about who you are in Christ. So there's so much you can say about yourself. That's why when you wake up in the morning, you don't have to feel good because nobody feels good every day of life. Uh, there are times you don't just feel good. There are times you don't feel like praying. There are times you don't feel like saying the right things. But keep on saying it. Open your mouth. Your mouth is a gateway. It's, a, it's, it's the... It's the the place where you can release God's mind. Just say something good. I am blessed and highly favored. I am head. I am not tail. I am more than conqueror. It's not difficult for you to say what God, even when you are going through negative circumstance. Because you see, when you are sick and the doctor gives you a medication, if the medication is bitter, you will take it because they told you to make you feel good after a few days. I don't know about you, but there are drugs that you know... <laughs> I just, I wish I don't have to take them. 
because of the bitterness. And sometimes I look left or right. If nobody is looking at me, I use orange juice instead of water. Uh, well, whether the doctor likes it or not, but at least it gets me somewhere. Is somebody understand what I'm saying? Get going by saying the right things. Because I know that good words will deliver you. Can I hear an amen? Make positive confession and declaration of who you are. Spiritually discipline yourself. Gather scriptures. I have in my, my iPad here and I know some of you have scriptures that you just confess from time to time. The word confession does not mean going to the priest and telling him all the bad things you've done. It has to do with saying what God says and it produces the report. The Bible says this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You will meditate upon it day and night. The Bible also says, whosoever looks on the law, perfect law of liberty and continues therein, that man shall be blessed in all his deeds. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the forces that govern life. Follow the laid down pattern. And then after confessing the word, hold fast the confession of your faith. Go to a court of law. The judge is there and there are two lawyers. And one has come to accuse. The other one has come to defend. And what the defense lawyer tells the, the, the guy that is the defendant is that no matter what they ask you, just tell them I'm not guilty. You not only look guilty, you are not just even guilty, but your lawyer says, say to them, you are what? Not guilty. That's what Jesus came to do on our behalf. He came to tell hell and all his forces that you are not guilty. You stole in 1921. That was before Jesus saved you. Now that you are saved, you are not guilty. Is somebody understanding what I'm saying? You broke through a house in 1934. That's not longer important because if any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new creature. So tell the circumstance of your life that you are not guilty. Hold fast the confession of your faith because you are going to be discharged and acquitted. Can I hear an amen, somebody? I want to say to you, this year is a beautiful year for you. You've gone seven months into it, but it's still a beautiful year. Because somehow along the line, there's going to be a change and a turnaround. Help will come for you. The hand of God will show up for you in your situation. The woman with the issue of blood had gone 12 years. Do you understand something? The woman with the issue of blood had problems for 12 years. The child that Jesus went to his house to heal was 12 years old. And at the age 12, she was meant to die. And at 12 years of pain, that woman was supposed to be hopeless. But Jesus changed everything. You will live beyond that 12 years experience into the blessing that God has given you. Father, we bless you this morning. We give you praise. We give you adoration. We thank you because the hearers of this word, they shall be blessed and the doers shall be blessed in the name of Jesus. And we declare that in obedience to your plan and to your purpose, this year is a year of testimonies for us in Jesus' name. We give you all the praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have praised. And those who are excited about God and his word said a loud amen. amen. Thank you for listening to another message. God's blessing be with you now and forever. For counseling, email trem at tremusa.org. Remain blessed. Concerning the things.